0: Well, thank you for the opportunity to come and, and share with you tonight. It is, uh, to me, seems to be a lot easier to, to share with uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, um, maybe not quite as intimidating. And I was thinking today, it just hit me this afternoon, okay, you know, that's uh, kind of a Sunday school class we meet every other week. This is the one me- meeting of the month for you guys and And you know I'm bringing this message that you're gonna you know ruminate on for the for the next month uh so it didn't add any pressure at all <laughs> um, but it's it's been a real blessing to to be with the the kids back in uh the catapult classroom and uh you know we've 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 not uh you know, been touching on any light issues back there. We've really been diving into uh, some some deep biblical material in relation to the providence of God. Um, you know, just exploring uh, difficult uh, doctrines in regard to the sovereignty of God and and His purposes for um, you know evil and suffering. You know, um, so. You know, maybe it's material that we can go through with you guys as well because it's 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 fitting for any age. I mean, it's things that we as as uh, the teachers are wrestling through ourselves, and ten and eleven year olds are looking at us with you know uh, deer in the headlight kind of looks. But but we're guiding them through it. They're engaging with the material, and I think they're being blessed. Do I do we have any Jonathan? I guess you haven't been back there for a while. You can help me out. I'm going to need some help later on. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight I would I'd like to ex- explore God's providence in relation to his will for our lives. Um, again, this 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 material this is just as much of a lesson for me as for anyone. I mean, I'm uh you know wrestling through these issues for my life in relation to my family. Uh I trust by God's grace that um that we will all grow in our confidence in God uh, for the details of our lives, uh, for the things we're currently facing, and, and for our futures. So um, with that in mind, our uh, our topic for tonight, the title of the message is Submitting to the Will of God. Um, so before we dive in, let's take a moment, let's pray, uh, thank God for our time together, and just ask for his blessing as we uh, consider his word. Lord God, I just... I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that we can depend on it. Mm-hmm. Lord God, as we uh, as we look into it tonight, as we uh seek uh, to know you more. And uh and your heart for us, your care for us, uh your watch care over us, Lord. I just pray that we would grow in our amazement um of your providence, your involvement in our lives. That you care, and that you have a plan for us, mm-hmm. um, uh, dear God. Just please help me as I uh, mm-hmm. as I seek to teach, and and um, I pray that we uh, would we'll just encounter you now uh, through your word. In your name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right, providence. That's a big <laughs> word. What does it mean? Anybody have a stab at that? What What does providence mean? All right, God's providence. Here's here's somebody. Did you have a stab at it? Uh, it's the, uh, <laughs> that
1: is close.
0: That is true. All right. When when we say providence, we're talking about God's divine guidance or authority in ordaining, sustaining and guiding everything that happens. I'll read that again. God's divine guidance or authority in ordaining, sustaining, and guiding everything that happens. Everything that happens in the affairs of men as we live our daily lives. The decisions of rulers and governments. Evil, suffering, natural disasters. He has a purpose for it. He oversees the orbits of the planet. He, 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 uh, has his hand upon the life and the death of stars. He even ordained what you would eat for breakfast this morning. Most importantly, his providence extends over the advancement of the gospel into all the world. So, that, that's, that's kind of a pretty deep definition. We have, we have another definition that we use in the catapult class that kind of encompasses these foundational concepts on, on the doctrine of providence, and um, I want to share that with you. Um, you know, if you have your journals, I, I would encourage you to, to to be writing this down. Did you want to help me with this? No. Can you fill in the blanks if I give you the yes. God is present, present and active, active in all His creation. His I, I <laughs> is. Watching. Watching his hand, hand his is, working. is working to, up.
1: no,
0: to uphold. uphold and Gover. govern all creation to fulfill. fulfill all his purposes for his glory. glory. Alright, good job. I'll read it all together. God is present and active in all his creation his eye is watching, his hand is working to uphold and govern all creation to fulfill his purposes for his glory. All right, that might seem like a very straightforward and reasonable statement. Uh, for those of us who have grown up in the church, this uh, uh, definition may echo certain lessons that you know we've been taught from a very young age and and certainly, as as you know ben, ben encouraged us, many of the worship songs that we sing uh touch on these truths. I mean we we see it um, but my question for you is, do we live like we believe it? Do we recognize daily God's presence in a, uh with us and his hand guiding us and directing us and helping us in all things? When we face uncertainties, are we comforted knowing that there are no mysteries to Him? Do we trust Him with the details of our lives? Do we, do we even believe that He cares about the details of our lives? And if we have professed faith in Christ, do we acknowledge His initiative in pursuing us, and His mercy in saving us, and His grace in sustaining us each and every day? The way that we answer these questions will have a profound effect on the choices that we make and the way that we live. And the way that we respond uh, when faced with challenging decisions will demonstrate whether we truly believe that God's at work in all of these things and whether we're prepared to trust His will for our lives. So, point number one. Believe believe so we said earlier going back to the more technical definition god's providence uh, providence is god's divine guidance or authority in ordaining sustaining and guiding everything that happens so there are really three biblical truths that we've got to believe about god if we're going to, to respect his authority over us number one God is completely sovereign. We see this in Psalm one, fifteen, three. Our God is in the heavens; He does all that He pleases. Okay, number two: God is infinite in wisdom. Isaiah fifty-five, eight through nine says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways," declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher um, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And number three, God is perfect in love. Ephesians two, four through seven. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in in Christ Jesus. So, God is completely sovereign. There's no one greater. God is infinite in wisdom. He knows all there is to know. And God is perfect in love as demonstrated in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So consider this. All God's commands are for our good. They're intended to bless us. To disobey them shows that we don't trust Him. And to resist the ways of God is not only foolish, it's wrong and it, and it comes from unbelief. So if we really believe that God's providence extends over everything, and everything God does is for good, we won't resist the work of God. We won't insist on getting our own way. Rather, we will bend our will toward His. And we see this example in Luke 5, 1-11. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to that passage. Luke 5, 1 through 11. So we see in this passage that Simon Peter and his friends, they've been out fishing all night. They're back at the docks along the shoreline. They're cleaning up their nets. And along comes Jesus. And because the crowd is pressing in on him, he gets into one of the boats And he he makes a request that they move the boat out away from the shore so he can get some distance between him and the people, but he can still teach them. He can still speak to them. You know, these guys have been out all night. They're trying to clean up their nets. They want to get home. They want to get some rest. But, you know, Simon might have been a little annoyed by this request, but he notices the crowd and he, he realizes that this man is the teacher that he's been hearing people talk about. So he goes ahead and he launches the boat. And and Jesus teaches the crowd. Stands in the boat, teaches the crowd. It may be that Simon and his buddies were there on the boat. They might have still been cleaning their nets up. As Jesus completes his teaching, he turns his attention to the fishermen. And he gives them a direction to take the boats out to where it's deep and to throw out their nets for a catch. It's the middle of the day. This this might not have made any sense to Simon. You fish at night. He, he was an experienced fisherman. He knew the best times and places to fish. What could this teacher know about fishing? But if you look in your passage, verse 5, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word... I will let down the nets. We see from verse 5, we see that Simon acknowledged Jesus as the master and he chose to obey Jesus' command despite his lack of understanding for what Jesus was going to do. What happened? Let's look at verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They caught a load of fish. More than one boat could handle. They even had to call their buddies over to help them. And what was Simon's response to all of this? Verse 8, we see that Simon Peter saw it, and he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Simon may not have yet known that Jesus was the Son of God, But he clearly sees that Jesus had power and wisdom that he didn't have. He humbles himself. He even calls him Lord. Now, with Peter's heart softened, Jesus could reveal his plan for him and his companions to be fishers of men. Verse 11 tells us, When they had brought in their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him fishing was all these guys ever knew but through this encounter peter and his friends came to believe in christ and were willing to leave live yeah. leave their lives as fishermen and follow him you know god is calling us today just as he was calling peter god took divine initiative towards us by sending his son to die on the cross To bear a punishment that we deserved in order to redeem us from the bondage of sin. But he goes further. He sends us his Holy Spirit to open our eyes and to soften our hearts to the message of the gospel, to move us in belief in Christ and his atoning work as we respond to his initiative Through repentance and faith, God extends his mercy and grace and gives us new life in Christ. He then begins to reveal to us his will for our lives and asks us to trust him and follow him, even when we don't understand what he's doing. That brings us to our second point. Point number two, trust. So God does desire that we follow. But because we continue to, de- to struggle with indwelling sin, we have a tendency to pull away, to pull away from God, especially when we don't understand or we don't like what God's doing. We need to be on guard and diligently watch over our hearts for the sin that so easily entangles. Hebrews 12.1 uh, With any relationship, trust takes time. But as God's children, we have the help of the Holy Spirit to teach us and to strengthen that trust. And as we step out with confidence in what God has done and what He's continuing to do in our lives, every act of obedience will build a pattern of submission in our lives and deepen our trust in God's providence. You know, we we have this blessing that we have Christ as that perfect model of what it is to submit to God. Christ, He knew what He would have to suffer when He came to earth. He knew that the cross was waiting for Him. He knew the punishment that He would endure for us. It was difficult. And Jesus would have preferred not to have to go that route. We see in the garden that He was praying to God. He was asking that that the Father might remove that cup from Him. But, we see that Christ humbled Himself. And He trusted God's plan. And He submitted to death on the cross. And we read in Philippians 2 that because of this obedience, the Father exalted the Son and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. Likewise, God desires for us to humble ourselves before him, trusting that he is completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom and perfect in love towards us. And if we do, we have this promise in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, that says that at the proper time, God will also exalt us. If we believe these things are true, we should not only be willing, we should be compelled to submit to God's will for our lives. And that's point three. Point three is submit. We see from our passage in Luke 5 that Simon chose to submit to Jesus in regard to casting in the net. But the outcome net full of fish, gave him the confidence to leave the lifestyle and livelihood to which he had been so accustomed in order to follow Christ. My question for you tonight is, what does this look like in your lives? Mm -hmm. Many of you are contemplating what the future holds. What are you going to do after high school? Are you going to go to college? What are you going to study? What do you want to do with your life? Some of you might even be starting to think about marriage. And all of these are great things to consider. But let me encourage you as an exercise in submitting your will to God's. Take time to ask Him what He wants to do with your life. How does He want to use you for His glory? What gifts has He given you and what opportunities has He placed before you even now? Where you can press into him. Who might he be preparing as your future spouse? More importantly, how does he want to work in your life to prepare you for them? As I look back on my own life, I can only imagine how I might have been uh served by asking these types of questions as a teen. Sadly I I I didn't. Um God's plans can be very different from ours. And we can be tempted towards worry as we consider these things. So many options. So many choices before us. We see the world. We hear what the church is telling us. Believe, trust, and submit. That's what God's asking God gives us a promise in Jeremiah 29.11. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. If God knows, if He knows, and He promises good things for us, why wouldn't we want to seek that out? Wouldn't knowing his will as revealed to us through scripture and through the Holy Spirit give us more confidence to apply ourselves to whatever training might be needed to prepare us for that calling? Uh, Wouldn't it stir our passion for the work because we know that God has called us to it? And as a result, might we be more willing to step outside comfort zones to take risks for the sake of the gospel? Uh, you know, I can, I can only point you, think, look at the Vicenoviches, look at Mr. and Mrs. Vicenovich and their passion, uh, the passion they had to share the gospel in Croatia. They were willing to sell everything and leave us so that God's calling could be accomplished in their lives. And it's, it, it's radical. It, it, it cuts against everything the world is teaching you. parents let me speak to you because i'm i'm here i'm i'm right here with you this this can be a challenge for us as well as we think about the future for our children i mean we want we want what's good for them we hope that they grow up uh to be responsible and productive we we want them to get a good job have a respectable job and and be cared for uh we want them to make good choices Um, But we need to realize that a lot of our notions about what that can look like are more informed by the world or can be more informed by the world than by Scripture. So, you know, let's consider what we can do to be a help to our teens by encouraging them to seek God's heart and seeking it alongside them. You know, let's share with our children the burdens that we carry for them. Uh, you know, let's communicate to them that our, our greatest desire is that they love the Lord. Let's encourage them and model for them what it is to love the church and to serve within it. And even if we don't share their gifts or identify with the things that they're passionate about, we need to encourage them to be living and operating in the gifts that, that we see that God's given them for His glory. As, as it becomes clear to them and to us exactly what God's called them to, you know, as we go through that process with them, we'll be able to enter, uh, into it with joy, knowing that, you know, what it seems like God's calling them to is, is what He's been preparing for them. And, and just trusting, you know, He knows what's best for them. And He loves them more than we do. for all of us we need to be mindful that God desires and is able to do great things through us even more than we can imagine so i let me encourage you teens dream big dream big commit your plans to the lord whatever it is that he's ha- he has upon your heart you know where you see your strengths You know, what you're passionate about, give it to the Lord and, uh, and seek His heart on it. Um, even, even the desires of our hearts have been ordained by God. He's placed that there in your heart, um, because He has something that He wants to do with it in your life. I just, um, as I was thinking about this material, I was also, I, um, Reading through again a, uh, some material on the, uh, the life of Adoniram Judson, who's one of my, uh, my heroes of the faith. Uh, I just wanted to give you a, a little bit of background on, on his life. And hopefully it stirs your heart in relation to these ideas as it, as it did mine. Um Adoniram Judson was the first missionary uh, to the nation of Burma. Uh, Burma is modern day Myanmar, uh, which is directly next. It's Thailand is here. Myanmar is here. Okay. So Thailand is the country that we're praying for as a church, uh, this month. So there's the major part of India and right next to India is Myanmar and Thailand. So. Adoniram Judson served there. Served it in in Burma for nearly forty years, from eighteen thirteen to eighteen fifty. In eighteen o eight, when he was in divinity school, Judson encountered the saving grace of God. Not everybody went to divinity school back then because they, you know, felt a calling to go into the ministry. They, that was kind of that was the university of the time. He was seeking wisdom, but while in school, he encountered the grace of God and. He dedicated his life to the service of the gospel, particularly to mission service, missionary service to Asia. So he spent the next two years appealing for missionary support and was finally accepted for missionary service on September 19, 1810. September 19th, 1810. The date isn't particularly that important other than the fact that the same day that he was accepted, shortly after he was accepted to missionary service, he met his future wife. So their their common commitment to missionary service is what I find provoking. They just had a a, a real firm confidence in the providence of God in in relation to their lives. And um, uh, Courtney Anderson has written a book, a biography. It's called To the Golden Shore. It's the biography of, of Adniram Judson. I'm just going to share you what share with you what what Anderson had to say here. She says, after, after knowing Anne Hasseltine for one month, he declared his intention to become a suitor and wrote to her father the following letter. All right, boys. Listen to this. You, I, you might want to think about going a different direction someday, <laughs> <laughs> but God had a purpose in directing, uh, I to write this letter. All right. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and suffering of missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her? And for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and for the glory of God, can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness brightened with the acclamations of praise which shall shall redound to her Savior from heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair. What does a dad say to that? (laughs) You can lose your daughter for glory's sake. Well, her father amazingly said that she could make up her own mind. And Anne wrote her friend, Lydia Kimball, saying, I feel willing and expect if nothing in providence prevents to spend my days in this world in heathen lands. Yes, Lydia, I have about come to the determination to give up all my comforts and enjoyments here. Sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends and go where God in his providence shall see fit to place me. Well, Anne did die in a foreign land and so did seven of Judson's children and ultimately Judson himself died serving the people of Burma. There were many trials, hardships that they faced, but many heathens came to a saving knowledge of Jesus through the ministry of that couple. And the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments, were translated into the Burmese language, and that translation served missionaries centuries that followed. So, to the Golden Shore, it's about that thick... (coughs) But it is, it is a great read. I commit it to you. Well, in drawing our time to a close this evening, I just want to challenge you to consider this. If God was willing to sacrifice His own Son to save sinners, and if Jesus was willing to lay His life down to secure your soul for all of eternity, if that's true, then what, like Peter and and the Judsons, would, would you be willing to yield? Would you be compelled to yield in order to bend your will towards God's will for your life? Believe in God. Trust in Him even when you don't understand what He's doing. Submit to His will. And as you do, take confidence in this. God is present and active in all his creation. His eye is watching. His hand is working to uphold and govern all his creation. To fulfill all his purposes in your life. For his glory. Let's pray. Well, <clears throat> oh God, I, I realize that a message like this can seem like it's chocked full of commands. But dear God, we take confidence not in ourselves or our ability to wrestle through these matters on our own. Dear God, our confidence is in Jesus Christ and in His work, what He fulfilled on the cross on our behalf. He was faithful to Your calling, Lord God. He was faithful to lay His life down to save sinners. Mm -hmm. And dear God, you have been faithful to us. You've not left us alone. You have given us your Holy Spirit that helps us through these things. We don't do this on our own. We didn't come to understand the gospel on our own. Our eyes were sealed shut and our hearts were hardened. But Lord God, you have worked in those who have come to faith in you. There are those who may still be wrestling through those issues who might be resisting you, dear God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to do its work in their lives, softening their hearts and unstopping their ears so the gospel message can penetrate and change them, dear God. We commit the details of of our lives to You. We're not in control. It's Your providence that holds us fast each and every day and has in mind our future already written in Your book every single day of our life. Lord God, help us to trust You with these details. Help us to submit our wills to You so that Your glory would be fulfilled through us. And dear Lord God, we pray that You would give us big dreams. Big dreams for our lives. Big dreams for the Gospel. Mm -hmm. Who knows if there isn't an Adoniram Judson among us Mm -hmm. that You would take to a foreign land Mm -hmm. who might lose their life For the sake of your gospel. Lord God. That every single one of our lives. Whether we go to a foreign land. Or whether we continue to serve in this church. For the next 40 years. That our lives would be about the gospel. Thank you for your grace dear God. That sustains us. Mm -hmm. And thank you for your word. That teaches us to understand. Mm -hmm. In your name I
1: pray. Amen. Can we thank Mr. Valentine? Let me share a couple thoughts and then we'll, we'll break into our, our little groups with our, our parents. The phrase going through my mind as Mr. Valentine was preaching or teaching was, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. And I share that with you. I was thinking that because he's right. There, there's commands in here, but you hear Mr. Valentine talk about living for God. You think about that letter from Adoniram to the, the Father. Yeah, the sacrifices are great to live for Christ, and yet it's completely worth it because of who Christ is and what He's done and the inheritance that is ours, you're able to give your life away here because of what you've already received in the Gospel. I love how he started there, that believe in God, believe in the Gospel. If you've got God, your life is really very worthless in comparison to anything this world could give you. And so I, I he's right. There's these commands, and yet I'm just personally, just as a Christian listening to it, saying, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Believe, trust, submit. And he I don't know if these were his exact words, but what I wrote down was, are you willing to lose your life for God's glory, His kingdom, and the good of both the lost and the saved? That, that was the question he was asking tonight. Are you willing to give up your life for Christ? Are you willing, as as it says in Luke 5, at your word? Whatever that is for you, whatever God says, God's word says to you, go this way or that way, leave this, pick up that, sacrifice this, trust in me for that. Will you? Or are we gonna live for money and possessions and man's approval? I mean, just, like, there's no, there's no, it's not even debatable. Man's approval? Paper? Stuff that's going to end up in a trash heap one day or God's glory, God's kingdom. The fact that by God's grace, there will be people in heaven and not in hell because of the way Judson lived his life. Do I care about people that much? And I love what Mr. Valentine said in the prayer there. Some are called to go to missionary fields, some are called to unreached people groups, some, some are called to stay. It's not one is better than the other, it's what does God want for you? What does it look like for you to follow Christ? It seems very appropriate to me as I was sitting there listening again just as a Christian that I was at a funeral earlier today. Mrs. Or Kelly, Mrs. Ross, her grandmother died a couple weeks ago, and I was at the funeral today. It's over. Her life, life is over. Her, any, any opportunity to live for anything now is over. She already made those decisions, and they're done. And now people were just talking about them, right? What happens at a funeral? You talk about what that person lived for in the past tense, because it's over. And you will have a funeral one day. More than likely, if Christ does not return, you will be the person being talked about one day. I can't be at a funeral and not think, what are they going to say about me? What 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 did I live for? Myself? My kingdom? Or God's? And I love how Mr. Valentine so graciously, graciously just asked you, what are you living for? Do you trust God enough to be all in? And I love this phrase. Every act of obedience will deepen our trust in God and His will for us. That's a great phrase. Every time I choose to, by God's grace, God, I trust you. I trust your commands. I trust your word. I trust your will from my life. Every time we, we trust God, we're going to realize He's worthy of our trust. Every time we break God's commands, what we're saying is, God, you're not good. Every time we break His commands, God, your, your word's not good. So I love how Mr. Valentine did that. To, to, to go against God and say, I don't, I don't trust you. Every time I, I move towards God, I, I trust you and God always proves his trustworthiness. So thank you, Mr. Valentine, for giving us such a big view of God, such a big view of his glory, and really such a small view of this world. And, and, and say this and we'll move, we'll move forward. Salvation is the start, not the end, right? Getting saved Repenting and trusting in Christ is the beginning. What Mr. Valentine's talking about is not a, okay, get saved and then kind of go on with the rest of your life. God saves you. You're His. And you get to follow Him the rest of your days, and there's no one better. There's no one more worthy to be followed. So I want us to have a category for that, a vision for that. Teens, that as you think about your life, it's if you are a Christian... I I get to serve God. I get to follow God. There'll be no point where God no longer wants to lead me and guide me. No point when He doesn't want to govern all things in my life and for us to be able to dream big dreams for His glory, to dream big dreams, to think about how God's gifted you and to say, what does it look like for me to follow God in this? So that's what you're going to do now. You're going to get some time with your parents, the one that brought you. Uh, To walk through a couple questions, and then there's an opportunity for parents to just kind of share with you as as teens where they see gifts in your life, what burdens they have for you. So if you need someone, if you kind of came by yourself and you need someone to hook up with as far as fellowship here, and these going through these conversations, these questions, you know, let me know. Or if you know someone, just kind of join in with them. And if one person per group could come grab a sheet, that would be great. And we'll take the next fifteen minutes, fifteen 20 minutes to go through these questions. So,